Good morning, can I give you a very warm welcome to Brighton Road for this online service. Down in the church building we're celebrating harvest today and children will be taking part in that service so we're not live streaming it. I'm sharing this time online with you and as part of our harvest focus in this service we're going to th be thinking about BMS worker Genesis Achaye whom we're supporting in Uganda as an agriculturalist. Wherever you're watching this God calls you, invites you to turn to him and put your trust in him today. And our service starts with the words of Isaiah 45 verses 22 to 23. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. By myself I've sworn, from my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that will not return. To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. Loving God, you do not treat us as we deserve, but, but so much better. You don't give us what we deserve, but so much more. You don't limit your generosity, you give to everyone. Your generosity is as vast as the sky, as deep as the ocean, as stunning as a sunset, as beautiful 
as a smile, as mysterious as silence, as profound as birdsong, as unique as love. <laughs> You're just beyond our understanding, merciful beyond our imagining, and so we worship you. We stand in awe and ask that you would help us become more like you, more generous, more compassionate, more just. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I read to you Psalm 145? I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendour of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works. And I, I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. And all you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. They will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all men may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendour of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving towards all he has made. The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving towards all he has made. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Can I invite you to listen to or maybe join in with the song? I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like.
Jesus introduces us to God as the perfect father, the one who loves us unconditionally as his children and who has committed himself to taking care of us. And Jesus says that if we know we have that kind of relationship with God, we don't need to worry about making ends meet. That might sound just a little bit too easy, given today's cost of living crisis. But let's remember that the people he was talking to lived all their lives right on the breadline, often on the very edge of absolute poverty. So let's try and take on board his words of assurance and allow them to lead us to our Heavenly Father, who loves us and who invites us to trust him for our daily needs. Let me read to you what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear, isn't life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. And are, not, and are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They don't labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendour, was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown onto the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Can I invite you to join with me in saying the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory for ever and ever amen our next song is Come set your rule and reign, a call for God's kingdom to come to us, within us and through us.
our services at Brighton Road at the moment, we're currently working our way through 1 Thessalonians. And thinking at the start of that letter, how Paul's visit to the cities turned some people's lives around. They responded to the good news of God's kingdom by turning away from worshipping idols and starting instead to serve the true and living God, putting their trust in Jesus, whom God raised from the dead and looking forward to his return from heaven. Let's listen to more of Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We'd previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. And we're not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. You know, we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you. But we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. And you are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Paulius sets out his credentials as an apostle of Christ. He makes it clear that when he talked about Jesus, he wasn't seeking to bolster his own reputation or make money from his listeners. There were plenty of pseudo-philosophers around who made a living from haranguing people on street corners or in public places. The orator Diochrysostom deplores the practice. He describes them as flatterers, swindlers and sophists. Paul wanted to make it clear that his concern was solely and purely for the well-being of his listeners. He was a person of integrity. Reading his words make me, makes me stop and think, though. When we share the good news of Jesus with someone else, is their well-being our primary concern? You know, sometimes a small degree of self-interest can creep in. We can add them to our mental tally that we keep about the number of the number of people with whom we've shared the faith. We, we might want to persuade them to come to church because that would boost our numbers or perhaps they'd contribute financially or we figure we could make good use of their gifts or expertise. So to what extent is our concern genuinely for their well-being rather than ours? Are we happy for God's kingdom to come into their lives if we or Brighton Road see and receive no tangible benefit from that? Over the years, we have an excellent track record at Brighton Road of seeing people come to faith through our Alpha courses, only for them to join a different church. Well, God bless them all. But it has to be about people coming into God's kingdom, 
not about people coming into Brighton Road on a Sunday morning. Church matters, of course, but not because it's about bums on pews. People need to be welcomed into God's family to have those supportive relationships around them, to belong to a family where they find love, acceptance and freedom and they can begin to flourish as people. That means church has to be a place where people are loved and welcomed and encouraged and supported and discipled and empowered to live life to the full. And that happens as each of us actively seeks the well-being of anyone and everyone we meet at church. As Paul says, it's about encouraging, comforting, urging and enabling each other to live lives worthy of God, who calls us all into his kingdom and glory. Our next song is Lord, the light of your love is shining.
In a few moments, following our harvest theme, we're going to be thinking about and praying for Genesis Achaye, an agricultural worker in Uganda who's supported by Baptist World Mission. You know, one of the reasons why there are Christians in Uganda today is that missionaries went there from England in the late 19th century. These days, there's a lot of soul searching about early missionary work. Those missionaries have been described as the spiritual wing of secular imperialism. They provided a degree of religious legitimization for the imposition of colonial rule on other countries. It's a difficult question. Missionaries went abroad frequently at great personal cost in response to a clear sense of obligation to obey Jesus by making disciples of all nations. Their personal commitment to Christ, to his cause, to the kingdom, to the people they served, are not in doubt. And yet, in the case of Uganda, there's no denying that it was the missionaries who felt that the people of Uganda would benefit from British rule. And to that extent, they were the advocates of colonialism. And in the eyes of many people, that's a pretty poisonous legacy. And there's no doubt either that there are examples of an attitude of cultural superiority from which we would want to recoil today. One Anglican missionary wrote a book on the backwaters of the Nile, which had the patronising subtitle, Studies of Some Child Races. And it referred to the people as a rather dull race with heavy, unintellectual faces. Despite such offensive comments, the author went on to become the first Anglican bishop of the Diocese of the Upper Nile. And mission education has rightly been criticised as an agent of imperialism. Its narrow academic focus encouraged elitist attitudes. People would have benefited from an agricultural and technical education, but providing this kind of curriculum is expensive. It was cheaper and easier to teach people about British culture, British history, British geography. And this created a culture in which manual work was despised. One parent said, we send our boys to the high school not to learn to drive bullock wagons or to look after cows, but to learn to be fitted for posts of high standing. So in practice, everything was geared towards promoting British values and that, with hindsight, is something we now rightly deplore, deplore. But we've come a long way. BMS World Mission is consciously moving away from sending people into missional work for a position of power or assumed knowledge. So for every UK worker they send abroad, they want to be resourcing seven indigenous mission workers in the Global South. And one such person is Genesis Achaye. BMS supports him as a trained agriculturalist. He, in turn, trains and mentors farmers on how to increase their household incomes. He's working to mobilise community groups, training them in improved and sustainable farming methods, helping them find markets for their produce, encouraging them in their faith. And here we see mission as it should be, genuinely seeking the well-being of people and seeing the transforming power of God's kingdom coming into their lives and communities. We watched the BMS Harvest video in one of our June services, but I'm going to show it again now. You may have missed it, you may have forgotten it, and if that's not the case, it's still worth, worth a second look. I'm Genesis Achai, 
I am an agriculturalist. I have been doing this work for 10 years, supporting rural farmers so that they can feed their families. And uh, all of my life, I've lived in northern Uganda. Much as it looks green now, in the dry season, all this will be gone. Uganda is a very beautiful country with a lot of diversity, and it is always referred to as the Pearl of Africa. It has fertile soil, which provides a very potential ground for farming. I lived during the Civil War in Uganda, and uh, it was very frightening. Uh, I remember in my school, we would uh, sleep with windows open, and we would put our shoes on, just in case the rebel would come to abduct the students. So you could go through the window and try to escape from them, and that is how our life would be. During the war, people were living in internally displaced camp. The generation that were born during that time did not learn how to grow crops, so that knowledge was lost. And also with the climate change, the rainfall is very erratic and people don't know when to plant their seeds in the soil. We lost a number of people in northeastern Uganda due to famine because of crop failure. That was very serious because that used not to happen. Uh, this situation is heartbreaking and is affecting a number of people like Barbara. I am a widow and I live with my parents and 11 children. Four of them are my own, but I also look after my sister's children after they got remarried. It is difficult to sustain the number of people living here, and my parents are elderly, so most of the responsibility falls on me. But I like sharing with the children. When we cook food, we sit down and we share. We tell stories. I really like that. My heaviest challenge is raising the money for school fees. Sometimes the children will be sent home from school because I did not have the money, so I was really worried. Another challenge is rainfall, especially last year. There was a prolonged dry spell and they suffered crop failure. That greatly affected our production in the first season. There is the big difference in farming compared to when I was young and growing up. It is very unreliable. But if I don't farm, I have nowhere to get food. So that is how I get motivated to keep on working hard. JLH has been supporting Barbara for the last two years. Philstaff trained her on basic agricultural practices. She's provided with seedlings that she has been planting. We were trained on a lot of different vegetable productions. And most importantly, we were very happy when we received the seeds because some people were not able to buy them. I also learned the correct time for planting watermelons and all the other vegetables through the training. When I plant my crops in the field and I see they are growing well, I feel happy and hopeful for what will come. I believe that in the next two years, Barbara will become a model farmer and people will come to learn from her. We help people in a holistic way and we share our faith and joy in Jesus Christ. And this year, we invite you with us in a very special initiative to help farmers called Jackcham, that means good harvest. We have been taught in the church that when crops are harvested, we shall bag them together and sell them as one 
through our brothers in Chekcham. We are very hopeful because when other companies come with very low prices and force you to sell at their price, now Chekcham always gives us the best price in the market. Next year I am planning to grow a lot of onions and I'm very confident because of the training. Now I feel very happy but I want to do even better than what we see now. This harvest, BMS and our local partner JLH will be doing all we can to support farmers in need. A gift of £12 could enable a farmer like Barbara to safely store and sell their crops through Czech Cham. Please give what you can today. Since we showed that video, we've had another prayer letter from Genesis. In it, he shares that in Gulu, they've had a prolonged mid-season dry spell, which affected the second season planting of the crops. Traditionally, August is known as the month with the heaviest rainfall, but this year was the opposite. Rainfall was absent and crops performed badly, especially beans. They're always planted in July with the hope of the August rain, and this has greatly affected the performance and yield of beans this year. Groundnuts are mainly planted between the 1st and the 25th of August, but within these dates this year there was no rain. Just two days before the end of August, they had a heavy downpour, and the farmers are excited to begin to plant the second season crops. Genesis says that hopefully the rain will be steady and well distributed until early December, when the crops will be mature and ready for harvest. He also talks about intensive agronomic training programmes for leaders and coordinators from five groups currently participating in the Agribusiness Livelihoods Project. It's a training programme aimed at equipping the leaders with the skills that will set them up to be able to guide other farmers on spacing, crops varieties, pest and disease control, and so to play a vital role in the sustainability and continuity of the farming work. Can I ask you please to bear these prayer needs in mind as you watch this brief reflection video, which asks you to pray for Genesis and for the people in Uganda. Thanks.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.